0: Hope everyone had a great holiday weekend, a great Christmas. Andrew Zarian and I are here. We're going to do a little bit of like year end stuff. We're going to talk about stories of the year, matches of the year, shows of the year. But Andrew, how was the Christmas with the children? You're, you're still oh, at was such a, a fun age for Christmas, man.
1: Oh, they love it, man. It, it, it's actually a lot of fun seeing how happy they are. You know, it's like the greatest day in the world. You You get up. You have all these gifts under a tree. You play with the gifts all all week because you have no school. It's fantastic. They love it. Is there any hangover? Like, because I remember. I mean, even when I was a kid,
0: like you wake up super early. It's all exciting, and then it's all done by like eight o'clock in the morning. And then you have some time to open your stuff and play with your stuff. But then, like by noon, you're
1: just like, "All right, what else is going on here? What what else are we going to do?" So today? we we. Uh, The way that it works here, because that's what happened two years ago. We're like, okay, we can't let them open everything. So (laughs) they are only allowed to open X amount of gifts per day. So Christmas continues throughout the week for them. So they could open like two gifts or one gift one day and then play with that gift. And then they they can move on to another one. So we don't just blow through everything. There you go. That's probably really smart. We have a whole system going here. (laughs)
0: Wait, but are you a, a New Year or Christmas Eve or Christmas Day
1: family? Because I know there's so people who do it yeah, differently. We do Christmas Eve for the party with the family, and then Christmas Day is just us, and the the kids get the gifts, and we just hang out at home during Christmas. Okay, there you go.
0: All right, so uh, so what are we going to do today? Well, first, I wanted to talk a little bit about this Ric Flair documentary that debuted yesterday, and if anyone in the chat was able to see it Lo- would love to hear what you all thought. And then like I said, we're just going to kind of go through stories and matches and kind of year-end stuff because this is going to be our last show until the the new year. And then I think when we come back next week, that's like the same night as Wrestle Kingdom. So that's going to be a long night for me. Are you do you, w- w- are you going to watch Wrestle Kingdom in in any way or are you going to ch- kind of check in on
1: it? What's your what's your plan with that? Yeah, I, I generally uh, because I, I have New Japan World, I, I generally catch the end when I wake up like around like 430. Uh, like if I like I know I'm going to wake up, I wake up like every hour and a half anyway. But <laughs> when it's like closer to like 430, I'm like, OK, it's time to kind of get up. The kids are going to get up in like in an hour. So I'll put it on and I'll have it on while I'm like, you know, my, my gears are turning for the day. Sure. Uh, and then I'll just rewatch the whole thing in like when it when it's uploaded to um, like in its entirety on New Japan. But I'm excited for it. You know, this is the first year they're kind of pseudo back. Uh, you have Kenny Omega there. You're going to have, you know, yeah. talent is traveling for the show, which, you know, I, I definitely a detriment to New Japan, the pandemic more than any other territory, I think. But I think this is the beginning of the changeover. And you're going to see guys like, listen, Kenny's back in New Japan. This should be a huge story. Yes. Huge. That's that's my draw for this show is that Omega is really talking about it. I know. I I don't get it. And listen, when I say nobody, obviously someone's going to be like, no, people are talking. It's not the buzz that you would imagine. Kenny left Japan and never went back. And now he's back. It's been a couple of years. Not on great terms either. Yeah, not on great terms either. But this is a, this is a huge thing to see Kenny back there. Maybe you know this is maybe going to do a crossover. Maybe Forbidden Door will be Okada and Omega again. You know, do That'll do the amazing. fourth match. Um, you you have opportunities here that you didn't two years ago. New Japan does obviously. Uh, why not take it, man? And, and you need a little shot in the arm here. They definitely need it. Uh, I'm excited for for Russell Kingdom. So, talk to Dave about this on the air. A uh,
0: couple weeks back now. And I was like, so what are we doing for Wrestle Kingdom? Because back in the day, now, when I say back in the day, we're talking about five-ish, six, seven years ago. We would all go to Dave's house and watch it. Um, because you remember they were running it on... Um, Jim Ross w- would come on. They they were doing it as a pay-per-view. So we we're able to see it. This is even before the, the New Japan service was was out And so we would just go to Dave's, and it's midnight, and you show up at midnight, and you watch until 5 o'clock in the morning, and we all then drive home because we're so tired. But this year, we hadn't done it uh, probably since, gosh, I can't even remember the last time we did it. And so I talked to some friends, and they're like, oh, you know, we need to do it again. This is a big show. So... Going to Dave's on Tuesday night at midnight. Love it, and gonna stay until four or whatever. And I guess there's a you know there's a sh- there's an hour before that show. I don't know if I'm gonna show up then, but uh, I, you know the 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 funniest thing is when we did it the first time. Uh, we all it was me and John LaRocca and a guy by the name of Dave Dutra, who's a who's a wrestler out this way, and we we're all there and we're like, okay, we need to get coffee, and you know, there's no Starbucks open at midnight, so we go to Seven Eleven, get our coffee. And we get Dave one. We're like, Dave, do you want a coffee? He's like, Yeah, sure. And so we get it. We're all done with our coffee. Dave doesn't even touch his, and he's like, Oh yeah, I never really drink coffee. I'm like, Dude, why'd you want the coffee? He's like, oh, I was just in case, just in case I needed it. But no, you're a machine. You didn't need, you didn't yeah. need the coffee because you are a machine. So uh, <laughs> I think yeah, so we're doing it again for him
1: to be up. <laughs> Exactly. You know, I th- I think I think that'll that'll keep him awake to begin with. No, I, I think. Listen, I that's a lot of fun, especially. I mean, what an experience for you and everybody else there, like watching Wrestle Kingdom with the Dave Meltzer, the King of Japan, yeah, the yeah. King of the Stars.
0: Well, yeah, so I think that's
1: really awesome.
0: The pandemic, right? He didn't. He went the to the Wrestle Kingdom right before the pandemic. And so we didn't see. Uh, so it may be like seventeen or eighteen the last time that we watched it at his place. So uh, so yeah. But wow. we'll, we'll, we'll be back. We'll be back then. And uh, I don't know. I don't know about that driving home at four thirty in the morning for me. Uh, that's that's a little rough. But okay. So so here's what's actually kind of cool. So you have Russell Kingdom Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, and then you have Dynamite that night, right? Dynamite from Seattle. Uh, but also that night, I'm taking my uh, my older boys to uh, to the Warriors game. So we'll be nice. we'll be. Uh, I took the day off, uh, I, so I was just like, nope. Uh, usually, I take the day off for Russell Kingdom just so I could sleep. But so I'm gonna be so tired. Sleep a little bit. Go to the Warriors game. Come back. Watch Dynamite. Busy day. I, postpone, I postponed the fight game podcast one one evening for for next week. So we'll, we'll do it Thursday night instead of Wednesday night. But yeah. There's a lot of stuff, and then, man, you know, it's not too far from Royal Rumble season, and it's August going to start all over again. That's that's wrestling for us, right?
1: Yeah, this is this is the beginning. Uh, Russell Kingdom starts the uh, the beginning of WrestleMania season, and and all the you know all, uh, wrestling starts heating up from January to April. You got, a, you got a little bit of a slowdown, then the summer hits, and then it starts to get... It's, it's actually really cool how it happens. Like, this is my favorite time of the year for wrestling. Yeah. January, I mean, Royal Rumble starts it for me, because that's my favorite show ever. Yep. But, you know, Wrestle Kingdom, over the last couple of years, being able to see it live, you know, on TV, uh, has been a big, big thing. I had a question for you. What was the first Japanese match you, you remember seeing? <sighs> um, That's a good question.
0: It's probably those WCW New Japan Super Shows from the early '90s, because I, d- I wouldn't have had access to anything else before then, um, and so it was probably like you know the Flair Fujinami and the uh, that show from uh, from the Superdome or, or yeah from 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 I guess from the Tokyo Dome right uh, January of '91 would that have been the date? That's because they did. I remember WCW did a pay-per-view, but it was like a few, it, was like, it wasn't it was like exactly that that night uh, for what is now the Wrestle Kingdom time frame. I think it was like, it may have come out like a, a couple weeks later, but I remember watching that show and then they, then they run it back in May for Super Brawl, the Flair and Fujinami thing. So Fujinami wins the belt from Flair and... Uh, and and then they run it back, but that would have been I think it's like I want to say it was shown in March maybe of ninety one, where they finally showed it on pay pay per view. But that would have been like I had read about it here and there, but I'd never really seen it because I, I mean that in nineteen ninety one, unless you're a heavy tape trader, and I was like, you know, fifteen years
1: old, uh, I wouldn't have seen any Japanese wrestling up until that point. See, I discovered tape trading because of an older cousin, mm-hmm. and. The first, I, I mean, I'm sure I saw something on WCW, you know, where they had Japanese talent on there. But I, I was trying to remember because uh, because there's a there's a great Twitter account, Vintage Puru. Yeah, I don't know if you follow them. They have some great stuff, and it kind of like reignited what what my first one was, and I believe it was a uh, Kabashi and Masala match, mm-hmm. one of my first like ever. Like, and, and I, I I know we're going down a rabbit hole here, but. I was so stunned by that, but like, their ability. I, I don't know if it was their 95 match or 97 match. I want to say it was probably 95. But it was so ahead of, like, what WWF was doing at the time. You know, oh, Northeastern yeah. kid. And I couldn't believe it. And and I remember asking my cousin, like, is this real? <laughs> How could it not be real? Yeah. And he was like, the, no, it's just chops really... and the, the heavy forearms yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Uh, just really uh, it, and you know it kind of like reinvigorated me as like a kid for wrestling because like you kind of grow out of it at one point I was like yeah wrestling's not real w, WWF at that this. time was all cartoon characters and gimmicks yeah. and Duke, the, du- Duke the Dumpster yeah I probably didn't see it in 95 I probably saw it like in 96 or something but like even 96 mm-hmm. like you know Sean and Brett were like the closest thing to to seeing something like this and this was yeah. remarkable to see remarkable okay, so I mean,
0: stuff to, I did some research here uh, WCW New Japan Super Show was known as Starcade in the Tokyo Dome in Japan, and it was March twenty first, nineteen ninety one. But they did not air it in, on pay per view until April, so it was a couple weeks later. So then they would have run Super Brawl in May. Uh, so that makes sense to uh, to me as far as my memory of it. So I, I was off a couple a couple months, but yeah. So on that show, you got to see uh, Fujinami, obviously the great Muda, um, Ricky Choshu was on it. I'm, I'm trying to, remember. I don't think that match was on. I don't know. Remember if the, cause they didn't show all the matches on the, the WCW pay-per-view. Cause it was, I feel like it was like a two hour show. Um, you got to see the Steiners against Hase and uh, Sasaki, which I remember being a really, really good match. Um, and then, uh, Th- uh, Jushin, you got to see Jushin Thunder Liger as well. But I think they chopped that match up for some reason. It was like a a long match, you know, 15, 16 minutes. I, think, I feel like they chopped it up to like a four-minute match or something. So that would have been my first foray. And then, you know, when I'm growing up, you hear, and because I'm a Hogan guy, right? Oh, Hogan... Actually, did wrestling when he was in Japan. It, it yeah, wasn't just the you, you know, it wasn't just the big boot and the leg drop like it is here. He would do you know, back in the eighties with the the Inoki days and such. Oh, he actually did wrestling matches, and then he would do some stuff uh, when he left at WWF in in ninety three. Um, then he would go. He went back and did some more matches. I think he uh, he wrestled. Who did he wrestle? Um, was it wasn't Stan wrestled Muda. So he, what year he, are you talking about? Nine, so 90 like ninety three ninety He did. more Because he went back to New Japan for like some crazy amount of money.
1: Yeah. Hogan's doing a, you know, a drop toehold and an inziguri. <laughs> and I'm like, well, how is this man moving like that? <laughs> like no, yeah. no big. I mean, no big boot in this crap. I mean, he he actually he used the uh, the the lariat as his finish over there. Right.
0: Yeah. The what did they, What do they call it? The. It was the power bomb or it was not
1: the power bomb, it was the power uh people in the chat sure. can help us out. Someone in the chat'll know, yeah. Wild stuff, amazing. You know, I I, I love that oldest stuff. I love the as like as like a wrestling fan when I was like a teenager, to find something like that was so cool. Like it was, yeah, like, because it was remember, a covert over here. Yeah. Yeah, there was and also the axe bomber. There you go. Sports there you go. there you go. Sports time machine in the chat room. The axe bomber. But you know like good pull. I, good pull. I know uh, this. This show's going all over the place, which I love it. But that, and you know what else stands out to me? Terry Funk and Sabu in that barbed wire match in ECW. The match wasn't this mind-blowingly great barbed wire match, but the commercial with the Phantom of the Opera and Paul Heyman is saying that this this match is too extreme even for ECW. I remember when I got that tape, I was like, oh my gosh, I got to see this. And it was like, it was like you saw something you weren't intended to see. Same thing for the Japanese content, too. Like, you don't get this content here. It's not WWF TV. It's not WCW. And you're you're watching. it, You're like, oh, I shouldn't be seeing this. Yep. Yep, absolutely. Um, okay, so just real, real quick, only
0: because I just got finished watching it. Um, the Ric Flair documentary that came out on Peacock yesterday. I was joking with uh, Dave on Friday when we did our show that... Why didn't they just run this in, in the Raw slot? Because Raw was a tape show, though Raw is always going to do a, a better rating than a, a documentary like that. I thought it was pretty decent. Now, documentary in the truest sense of the word is supposed to be like an unbiased look at things. And recently, we've seen these athlete documentaries. Uh, there was the Michael Jordan Last Dance, the the 10-episode the a uh, documentary, which none of that stuff would have uh, happened if it didn't get Jordan's sign off. So just so, just so people know that. Uh, and then uh, the, there was a Lakers one just recently as well, where it's really, you could tell, a, you know, Lakers brass had had a lot to do with that. And so this is more in that vein where it is WWE produced. So they're not going to go into certain things, but they did go pretty deep into uh, Rick's um, issue with, uh, with alcohol uh his his son passing away and uh you know you that that's always a sad story to to go and 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 really the the idea was uh, the filmmaker was trying to separate like Richard Fleer from Rick Flair and like how is that person different and one thing that Rick was very interestingly uh adamant about was when Triple H sent him to rehab and so he said that Triple H called him up and said you're going to rehab And Rick said no. And he said that, well, if you don't go, then you're never going to work for us again. You're never going to be on WWE TV. And so Rick said he went for 35 days, and literally the day he came out of rehab, he went right across the street to the bar. Like, (laughs) What year would this have been? This would have been, uh, gosh, right after he... um, It would have been right... God, it must have been like 13 or 14, sometime in there. Because I think it's still before... Uh, so Rick's son passes away in 2013. So maybe it's yeah. after that. It's got to be right after that, because he was saying that this is how he dealt with the, the son's passing was just by drinking. And uh, I think it was Megan who said he wasn't even showering at this point. So he was clearly very depressed, obviously, and using alcohol to drown. And so at the end of this thing, you're thinking like, oh, you know, Rick gets cleaned up and and he's this is going to be this happy story. And he's like, nope. I drink because I love it. And it's just like, why does someone golf? That's why I drink. And he goes through this routine that he does in the evening of how many wow. drinks he has before he goes to bed. And it's ridiculous. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh. Like, how is this guy still doing as well as he didn't? You know, he had that health scare, right? And he has the health scare. And then he comes out of that health scare. Uh, we, we all thought he was going to pass. I remember being uh, at Dave's house And just being like, okay, like what, you know, how are things? And he's just like, not great at all. Like they're telling the family to prepare, right? And so then he comes out of that and he goes right back to being the nature boy. And it's just crazy. Like this dude with the health issues and everything is still running hard and uh, at uh, in his early 70s now. So uh, I think it's worth watching. If you're a, a Ric Flair fan, I think you'll enjoy it. Um, if you are a, just a, a wrestling fan, I think you'll get a kick out of a lot of it, but yeah, Rick, man, he's uh he's a maniac. And I, I don't even say that in a negative way. That's just who he is and, and how he, he keeps going. It's, it's, it's incredible, incredible, both bad and good. And he even says that he's like, you know, I'm the luckiest guy in the world for both good and bad reasons. So yeah, good stuff. Well, though, I mean, if, if look at, if you like if you like him.
1: generational talent for sure. But yeah. uh, you know, you look at the guys from his generation. It, it was it was a common thing to live like that. You know, it, it, it's. I don't know if sports has. I mean, all of sports was like that, too. You know, like you hear the stories, Michael Jordan. I mean, Michael Jordan, the greatest basketball player of all time. I don't care what anybody says. LeBron isn't. It's Michael Jordan. You could I'll (laughs) fight you on this. I don't care. I'll fist fight you. Uh, Michael Jordan, one of the greatest talents. You hear the stories. He was out drinking of a night of an NBA final. You know, like the whole story that he had the flu. He didn't have the flu. He had a hangover.
0: There's a couple of different versions of, of that story for sure. But the hangover one. Has has come out recently. Um, the The funny story that, that that they always tried to say was that uh, the local pizza pizza place put something in the food to give them food poisoning because they were yeah they were the you know they're in Utah so don't order don't order food on the road in the NBA finals. It. But yeah, the, the Hangover one it does make a lot of sense. Um, it kind of made me think, though, wrestling's history in the way that it's been chronicled. So we just saw the Vince McMahon documentary. And that was pretty poor effort. I, I felt yeah. you know, you have you have all those people, you have all those really good uh journalists doing the interviews and then the dark side team or whoever's producing it just goes, "You know what? You know what would be good?" if we just piece together all the old footage from the dark sides so that we could shoehorn all that stuff in and not have to do a ton of work in, in this thing, which is what it would, what it should have
1: been. Do you have a favorite? What's your favorite wrestling documentary? Now, on Like, not affiliated with WWE. You know, the WWE put out a bunch of, like, you know, they had a series, a pretty decent one for the time that they put them out, you know, when they were doing the DVDs. But what's your favorite? Well, the Bret Hart one, obviously, right? Like, that's the one where...
0: It just felt like, wow, we're watching something we're not supposed to be watching. But, you know, one of my favorites that I don't hear a lot of people talk about is a WWE produced on a superstar Billy Graham 20 years too soon. Have you ever seen that one? I, I want to say I have, but it, it has to be a while that I've seen. it. So it's, it's like uh, so there's a book on Billy that comes out. And then I think that there's like a corresponding DVD. And the reason why I like that one so much is because I have a big time blind spot for, you know, sort of the 1970s, you know, mid 70s to early 80s WWE because I've never watched any of that stuff. Um, So seeing that, seeing Billy and, you know, just the idea that. Yeah, you know, they were they were trying to say like, oh, you know, Billy, if they if they just let him keep going instead of having him lose to Backlund, like he could have been Hogan before Hogan, and just like how Hogan they booked Hogan, right? Though. Well, I mean, he was who Hogan copied for sure, but yeah. just they're they're just saying, you know, what Billy could have been, you know, maybe the top star ever in WWF, but he beats Bruno, and he's a heel, and he has this year long run, and they're doing great business, but the way that Vince McMahon Senior booked was it was a babyface who was going to carry the territory. So the second Billy wins that title, he knows when he's going to lose it and he's going to lose it to Backlund on this day. And no matter what he did to fight it, it was just going to happen. So just the way that you book, you know, the, that way in the seventies and you know, today, you know, Vince McMahon w- was rewriting raw, uh, you know, 30 minutes before the show's going on air, like just the difference yeah. in, and how things were going. But yeah, that, that superstar one is really good um you know I, I hate to keep bringing this one up but when that benoit one came out that was amazing eddie guerrero had a really good one as well but those you know th- those are a little bit like i feel like people don't like to mention those as much because of sort of the sad endings of of, of those guys and i guess the angry ending for for benoit yeah. but yeah the like they were in a real sweet spot around that time
1: frame um but well, they I'm also put out the think- ECW one that 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 did so well that they brought the brand back. I mean that that was a tremendous one that they did in WWE. This this is probably one of my favorite ones I had it. Yes, here that's another good one. Beyond that's the mat, yes. love Beyond the Mat because they pulled the curtain back so much. Where like Mick Foley, you know he was such a lovable guy in that show, and the whole story is based. You know, just the storytelling, and you see the behind the scenes stuff, and you know the, the those guys were training. Uh, what's his name? Brought his talent. Um, you would know. Roland Alexander. You probably know. Him. Roland brought a talent and they're sitting there watching him. Uh, just very well put together. Another one, Memphis Heat. A lot of people don't talk about Memphis Heat. Very good to, documentary. I need on to Memphis rewatch
0: wrestling. that I, I need to rewatch that. I feel like when I watch it the first time, like I wasn't super paying attention, but that that's one that everyone brings up as the best one. You know, Roland Alexander, uh, my co host on on the Fight Game Podcast, John LaRocca, he studied under Roland Alexander and he booked Roland's APW uh you know did for he? him yeah so he's he's yeah he had a really close relationship with roland um and then our the guy who currently runs apw right now his name is uh, marcus mack you know he's he had a close relationship and then there's another guy uh i think his name is and Gabe roland Ramirez. passed away a couple years ago he passed, right he passed like yeah. gosh it was like
1: <sighs> before maybe the like pandemic six
0: seven years before uh, ago yeah. now because i was at a so john after uh, he he left a- APW to kind of start his own thing, he called it Premier, and it was a little bit more grappling based. It was more like less gimmicks and and you know outside stuff and hardcore stuff and, and more like in in ring stuff. And it's really where uh, Jeff Cobb kind of you know he got all the reps as as champion for for John, and uh, you know so that's that that's kind of where John uh, where where Jeff honed his craft to become, uh, you know, who he is today was was in these matches that I'm watching, you know, I'm sitting right in the front row. But I, I, we were at a show, and they did the 10-bell salute because it wasn't too far after Roland had passed. So that's why I remember. I think it was like in maybe 15 or something or, or right around that that time period. But um, yeah, no, Beyond, Beyond the Mat is really good. And you know what's funny is Beyond the Mat and the Bret Hart one, they come out like right around the same, same time. time, like maybe yeah. a little bit beyond the mat comes out a little bit after that. But so you see the pre attitude era Vince, right? Like Vince is trying all these things and um, you see him being more open and, and being a little bit more graceful, even though he's probably lying to all these guys, but you remember the beyond the mat scene where he's trying to
1: get draws, draws to, to puke. puke. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I, my wife voice. hates that. My yep. wife hates it. So I do the Vince voice constantly. When I was a kid, I would I would have my figures. You know, I'm, I'm an 80s kid. Right. So I would have yep. like the, the the toys and I would always do Vince McMahon on commentary. My mother would loser loser her crap. Take take the slipper, throw the slipper, you know, like, Andrew, hey, stop. I can't listen to that voice. I play that clip for my wife all the time. And she gags. She leaves. She has to run out the freaking door. She can't <laughs> hear Vince scream. He's got a you know, the whole thing just get, makes her so uncomfortable, runs out the door. The other night I put it on. She had just come in. She was out with her friends. I'm like, I'm like, I oh, just had a couple to drink. I'm gonna put this on to just mess with her. I put it on. She goes, nope, and runs <laughs> out <of> the room. <laughs> just That's crazy. Hilarious. I love that stuff though. I, I mean, just pulling the curtain back. I absolutely love it just to Oh, you know, and especially because
0: we didn't get that, right? Like we didn't get that back then. Right. Now, now you get it all the time, but uh, yeah, back then it was like, oh, any little nugget of information that we, you know, if you read the Observer, you you got it from the writing perspective, but you never really saw it.
1: I got to tell Lance a story. I was at the Elk's Lodge one time, uh, and this has to be like '97 or '98, like EC to peak ECW. And you know, like we're we're leaving, and we see I saw Lance with like his luggage, just like leaving the building, and I'm like, as a kid, you know, you're you're, you're seeing this, you go, oh my gosh, like he's not in the ring, he's like it's like a normal guy just carrying his luggage to, to whatever he was going. He was going to his car yeah. or whatever, just like stuff like that. I get such a, like a, it, it tickles me a little bit, you know, you kind of pull the curtain back and you see a little bit of like, fran- you know, franchise was walking with Francine. I'm like, Oh my God, traveling together. It is yeah. real. They are a team, yeah. you know, like yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. Very cool stuff, especially if, in those days, because you never got to see that stuff, even though the forums existed, people were on message board, you know, Tony Khan was trolling everybody on a message board somewhere. <laughs> uh, you know, what was I'm, I'm his username. Did he, have, did he have like a funny username back then? I don't know. I don't know. See, I was a WrestleZone guy. Mm-hmm. I, I was on the WrestleZone forums and I remember like, and I was always polite because like, I always saw like everybody attacking everybody. I'm like, hey guys, just have a question. I would ask like a dumb question, you know, like who knows what, what yeah. dopey question I had. But I'm sure Tony was in there, you know, f- fantasy booking Hogan and Backlund for the <laughs> exactly. title somewhere. You know, I I would love to see those posts. Actually, I'm sure I don't want no nobody dive into those posts. I don't know what I'm Tony sure said. they I'm sure exist. He's a good boy. Yeah, I'm sure they, they exist, exist somewhere.
0: Uh so, my friend had a, a, an opposite reaction to to what you just said. So, it was after a WWF event, probably I'm I'm, I'm going to guess back in the late 80s and he said him and his dad went to go eat somewhere after it was like at a Denny's or or whatever. And he sees Greg the Hammer Valentine sitting at the same table and eating dinner with like Hacksaw Jim Duggan, and he was heartbroken. He's like, these guys just had a match against each other, and now How they're friends. I. What's yeah. going on? And he, and he, he, he that was it for him. That was it for him. <laughs> Come on, Hammer! You can't be eating dinner with a uh, Hacksaw Jim Duggan if you just fought him. You guys, you guys <laughs> traded you hands, and, and and now you're eating. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, i uh, throwing this out to the chat room as well. Uh, just interested in in you know AEW and WWE favorite matches of the year. Um, and you know throwing your ROH and throwing your New, New Japan as well if you want. But I'm just I was like trying to figure out because we are in an era where wrestling matches are there there's so many of them and back you know so back many good 10 ones. years ago well 10 years ago 15 years ago if you had to think okay what was my favorite wrestling match of the year you could probably immediately think of it cuz there wasn't as many like go back to 1997 it's like oh yeah Bret Hart stone cold Steve Austin like that was the greatest match of that year uh, at at WrestleMania 13 but I was like looking through lists because I was like, "Do I really know what my favorite AEW match of the year was?" And I couldn't really think of of, of which one that, that it was. That you know, I was like, "Is it that tag team match uh, where I think you uh, you had to leave because uh, uh, it was in Chicago and you didn't get to stay for that show, right?" Because you, did you leave? You had to leave early that show. No, no no vegas i out? had to leave early oh vegas, no, vegas you, i left early i,
1: all out, I wasn't at all go. out this year i was, yeah, at, the, I was at the i was at the previous all out which right 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 my, my uh, yeah so people people ask me why i didn't go to all out i fractured my hip last summer yeah. uh i fell on my ass and i slipped on water and and i really messed up my hip so i was not there but i had to leave i had my father wasn't feeling well so i had to leave vegas and vegas, come back to new, new york awesome. so i missed that pay-per-view but i was there for the entirety of the the debacle leading into double yes. or nothing yes
0: that we'll we'll talk about that in a second but i was so i was trying to think what's my favorite AEW match of the year i think it live it was the swerve and keith lee versus the acclaimed match i just remember the crowd taking over that match and just it was it was awesome but the one, the actual wrestling match. When I looked back, because I went through some lists and I was like, okay, what what match did did I like the best? I think it was Brian uh, Danielson Hangman Page on Dynamite. I think it was on Dynamite in January or something. I remember that match being like, okay, this is like the style of professional wrestling that I really really enjoy. But then from the like the emotional memorable side then it was probably that all out tag team match what were do you remember what what your dynamite
1: or AEW match of the year would be um you know they it, it, it's it's weird cuz it's such a blur uh they had so many good matches there were so many fun matches that i enjoyed i would say the dog collar match between punk and mjf that stood that's out for me that's another one that's another uh, one because sure. it was a really and i'm not i'm not a fan of a dog collar match or i thought i wasn't until until i saw that and then i saw the the FTR match with the Briscoes, and to be honest, you know it's fresh on my mind, and I and I have to do the same. I have to do this homework because we're doing the same conversation on Mat Men this week. Mm-hmm. I, that really, I, I went into that match not wanting to see it because I'm not a fan of the dog collar matches. I think it kind yeah. of uh, hampers uh, what you can do in the ring. But holy moly, that that, that match was unbelievable uh ridiculously good and that's really stood out to me as far as the ring of honor stuff but for aew i mean there was so many positives uh as far as in ring goes outside of all you know the the backstage stuff but i think it was definitely the punk mjf one because it was it was a really good build to that feud they did a Mm -hmm. fantastic job with it um and he came out to his old ring of honor theme you know it was it was done really well really well yeah no i agree with you, and.
0: I guess you know, I I saw the first FTR Briscoe's match, but I didn't watch the other two because I didn't buy those pay-per-views. Um, so I cannot even really say I cannot I I can't really talk about that match. But from the New Japan side, it's probably one of the Okada Osprey matches, which again, also in January. So trying to remember a match from January after we've seen so much wrestling throughout the year is, is kind of tough. I know a lot of people liked that an, What is it? Anarchy in the arena, or what? What was that Anarchy, match where, yeah. they, it, where they went all over the building? But I was there live, so I couldn't see everything. And I know on TV it was probably a lot better. But uh, yeah, there, Those are those are some good matches. Now, what if I? What would I ask you? Uh, so, somebody mentioned uh, in the chat. Somebody mentioned the Sheeta and, and Jamie Hader match from last last week's Dynamite, which was awesome. I really like that match. Fantastic. Too. Yeah. Um, what about from the WWE side? Would you do you have a specific WWE
1: match that you're gonna remember? The Cody stuff was pretty cool with Seth. Uh, I I very much like that. Uh, a big surprise to me was Gunther and Sheamus for the IC mm-hmm. title. That was a great match. Uh, you know WWE. It's it's more, as in a, a Vince Russo term, pyro and ballyhoo. Right. It's a lot of that. Uh, so you kind of. It doesn't have to be a great match for you to like the match, but I think Roman and Seth had a great match at Rumble. That stood out to me, mm-hmm. uh, which nobody feel, really I talks like about. I that one was like a lot shorter than I thought it was going to be, though. It was, but I, I liked remember. it. I, I was into it. Uh, you know, Drew and Roman at, at, at Clash at the Castle was a good yeah. match.
0: Yeah, that but was really
1: good. I, I don't think they had a breakout year for in-ring performance. But listen, man, you got Steve Austin and Kevin Owens at WrestleMania. Uh, that's a memorable match. Definitely. A I, they had more memorable matches than really good matches. So along that vein, I think,
0: I think it's Cody and Seth in the cell for me because it wasn't the best in ring match of all time, but Cody's chest is all purple what a story. And the dude is clearly in pain. And to do all of that, it was probably the one that I remember most from twenty twenty two is just and and that's you're 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 bringing in some realism which which helps, and you know Seth is such a great prick that Cody as the baby face and is already handicapped with the with the torn pack and he's in peril and so they told an excellent story and yeah, I think that would be i think that would be mine um but do the gunther and Sheamus like that was Amazing in-ring. It it was was a match match that WWE doesn't really do, right? Like, they don't really do that sort of style of match. It was not a WWE-style match. It was way more of, like, the kind of match that you would see maybe in New Japan or something.
1: Yeah, uh, and, you know, I'm curious if we're going to get more in-ring style matches like that this coming year. You know, we, we we're still dealing with the with with some of Vince's plan and, and a lot of the stuff that he had put in place. Listen, you know, uh, great example of the changeover from Vince. Do you think if Vince was still running the ship or steering steering the ship, I should say, uh, we would get a best of show on Monday like we did? I don't think so. I don't think. So. I don't think that would have happened. I, I think we would have gotten a regular RAW and and they would have run the garden and done like a you know. Uh, Half-assed house show with the garden because they know it's going to sell. They could put in nine thousand people in that building because it's the garden, and that would have been it. But you know, we're seeing these changes happen. We're seeing different matches. We're seeing different combinations of matches. Uh, you know, I, I'm I'm curious. I'm really curious to see the direction that they go as far as in ring goes because I don't think they had a breakout in ring year, but they had a lot of memorable matches. Something that is stu- st- with the casual fan. Okay, not us. Not anybody watching. Or maybe maybe some people watching this. You know what I hear about constantly that drives me nuts? Is that jackass match from Mania. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> With Sammy? Uh, yeah. And, and, and I'm talking like casual fans. Like my friends that their kids watch and they watch too. People love that crap. And I'm like, you know what? That's funny. That's the direction they're going or they were going. You know, memorable matches that really in ring doesn't really matter. Uh, and people talk about it. And it stands out <laughs> to me. That's not what I'm into. I'm not into that stuff. I, I was not into that jackass match at all. But I watched it and I understood why it was so entertaining to people. Hmm. Hmm. So now, am I going to look- give it a? St- am I going to give it a star rating? Absolutely not. But you know. Yeah. No, I mean it's it's it fits
0: right. You can't have more than one of those matches on a card, but on, on a show like WrestleMania. It fits because you you get Johnny Knoxville and Sami Zayn and and it, it doesn't it doesn't stand out in a bad way. Now, if you did more than one of those matches on the same show, then it then you'd be like, okay, there's enough of this. Okay, so I was looking at the chat, and so just gonna throw out some matches from uh, folks who are here in the in the chat. So, uh, Balor uh, Finn Balor versus Edge. I guess the the I, I think it's the I quit match that 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 came up. In The chat the Cody versus uh, Sammy Guevara ladder match on the aW side match, yeah, came up uh, uh, on the chat. Uh, let me go back here a little bit. Um, let's see lots of Okada Osprey FTR versus Aussie Open Royal Quest 2. Um, let me see Nathan Frazier versus Axiom. So, yeah, if you're watching you know, NXT or NXT UK, Nathan Frazier against uh, Carmelo Hayes. I've seen Ricochet versus Carmelo Hayes, Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns, last man standing. I've seen some men's war games. Now the men's war games match was a great story. I didn't like the match that much because I thought the, the way that war games usually works, they didn't work it in, in, in the way that, that, where you get the psychology and, and the fans to, to kind of get into it. But the story with uh, Sammy having to, you know, ha- having to get Kevin Owens out of there and then becoming, uh, you know, going on the good side of the, of the Usos, I thought that worked. Um, some blood and guts. Uh, someone said blood and guts, uh, Thunder Rosa and uh, Britt Baker, the bloodbath match. Um, let me see. Let's just go through a couple more here and let's see yeah i guess that's about it that that that's about what what uh what people were were talking about okay so now when we look back at wrestler of the year wrestler of the year is hard because i think you sort of have to define what wrestler of the year means does it mean high work rate does it mean lots of matches does it mean biggest box office draw how do you define wrestler of the year when you vote in stuff like this?
1: Uh, it's so difficult, man, because for me, I- I'm big on work rate, right? At entertainment in the match. Um, I would. Like, you know, uh, it- it's hard. Like, I-, I know the easy answer here is Roman. Yeah, right. It has to be the easy answer is Roman. Because Except he only wrestled 10 like 10 matches or something. Ex- exactly. He only wrestled like a handful of matches. So I, I can't I can't go with him, but I would have to say, I mean, if you're going based on just being the backbone of the company, it would have to be John Moxley. Easy. So Easy. I think I think how and this we'll we'll see what happens in the wrestling
0: wrestling observer reader awards. I think all th- uh, I think both of those two and Will Ospreay are going to rank very highly in that luthez Rick Flair award. But like this goes back to the mid 80s, right? Where it was like Hogan or Flair, who's the wrestler of the year? Hogan or Flair. And from a pro wrestling matches standpoint, the guy who wrestled so many X number of times a year, you know, that's Flair. Sure. Is it the guy who drew the most money? On pay per view, well, that's Hogan, and and so that we're always. I feel like we're going to always have this dichotomy about what this award really means.
1: Yeah, I I, and I don't think. Listen, I I think to you, to me, it could be a different answer. I I would say uh, tag team of the year. I would go with FTR. I know there's an argument for the Usos, but I would say FTR. The acclaimed Uh, as well should be up there. The the acclaimed as well. I think the rise. I think like. the rise of the acclaimed is, is a great story. But yeah, absolutely. I, I But if you're going, who drew? Who was the biggest draw in the business? It's Roman. Right? To Isn't some people, Roman, you're going to
0: say, well... I think it's Roman. I, I would say it's Roman because he is the one that carries those pay-per-views that he's on. But what was a bigger match for WrestleMania? Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns or Stone Cold Steve Austin and Kevin Owens? I would say Stone Cold Steve Austin and Kevin Owens. You know what I would also say is Cody and Seth may have been equal to to now you didn't know you kind of knew but you didn't know but that program they did three I think they did three pay-per-views in a row with that program and that that may have been more they're going to do it again Roman and yeah then Roman and Brock but uh, and then this is not to discredit Roman because I love Roman I've I've been I've been such a big roman guy and and finally getting to see him now he's never going to win over all the naysayers right cuz there's so many people who are like i've seen this guy on top since 2013 enough and there will be those 2013 14 15 whatever whenever you pick the start date for when they started pushing the crap out of roman but there will there'll will always be people who are just not going to be into him but I do like it that some people have crossed over, and they're starting to give him his flowers. Because I just think he's a great talent who was saddled with, you know, WWE pushing him when the fan base wasn't really ready for him to be pushed in the way that
1: he does. Well, it was this. It was this John Cena. It was a John Cena uh, project, right? It was the same thing. You keep him as a baby face. You push, 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 and then the fans don't want it. Yeah. uh and he they were able to kind of rehab that and and make him into a very dominant heel that everybody loves i don't you know to me i you know in talking this out i would say it's john moxley hands down because of all the work he did in the in res, in the wrestling business not just for AEW what he did for new japan what he did for the indies uh he he very much was all over the place he was gcw champion <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> while he's on AEWT just a wacky, wacky year for pro wrestling. But I think that's what that kind of makes him the guy, the man. You know, nobody worked, and you got to give it to Jericho also. Yeah, Jericho, he doesn't have to do this anymore. He doesn't. He and he could be a guy that says, "I'm putting myself over. I'm I'm an established star. I've I've done it all. F you, pay me." And he's not doing that. He he's working with younger talent. You know, I, I think for a lot of people, people come in to have their own bias when it comes to talent, what they like, what they don't like. But mm-hmm. you got to acknowledge a lot of this stuff. You know, you got to see what it's done uh, for wrestling. I think John Moxley, for sure, most valuable player.
0: John maybe Moxley CM Punk would have been that
1: guy if this didn't happen. You know, if the CM Punk injuries didn't happen and he didn't lose his mind in that scrum, I maybe CM Punk would have been the guy.
0: Yeah. So as we know, Moxley was. Uh... You know had to had to put over punk and and punk was going to be the guy, and he did. And then when it didn't happen, and all hell broke loose at uh, all out, then they had to go back to Moxley. And so he was very valuable to them. You can't just make anybody champ. Like you could have probably done it with Jericho. You could have done it with Moxley, ha- probably not with hangman because i I felt, you know, after uh, he lost the championship, he, there was a little bit of. All the th- all the good things that that he gained, uh, you know, they did not follow after he lost his championship. So it's probably Jericho and Moxie are the only two guys, and you don't want to put Daniel Bryan or Brand Danielson, I'm sorry, in that situation because you want his if he does get a, a championship when you want it to be the first one and you want to celebrate that. So you wouldn't shoehorn him in there. But yeah, like Moxie was very valuable to just making sure that the you know the company was in a bad situation that they still have not. I don't think they've come back from it yet with that CM Punk scenario there. So he had to kind of make sure that they didn't miss even more steps than they did, and that's why you know that's when he showed his value big time. I would probably pick Moxley, but then again, there's all these Will Osprey matches that I didn't see that are that are really great supposedly from what everyone says, and so you can't really you know you can't really disconnect him from that scenario it's just that he works for new japan and you know he's not yeah, working never. in the united states that long. he did work at forbidden door uh okay so now that we 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 i just mentioned forbidden door what about show of the year what was your favorite show that you saw in
1: uh 2020 um that's a great question uh wrestlemania was a lot of fun i very much yes. liked wrestlemania uh Double or nothing was a really good show. All out was a really good show. Uh Revolution was a really good show. I thought that Saudi show they did a very good job with, shockingly. Not my favorite show of the, the year, but very good show. I don't know. I'm gonna go with maybe I don't know what it's hard. What do you maybe double or nothing or or all out? What do you think was a better show? Double <laughs> or nothing? <laughs> Yeah,
0: being at both of them, that's that's an interesting question because I would have to think back. I, I felt slightly disappointed coming out of Double or Nothing, but that might have been just because I was so frustrated with all the BS that was happening that, that weekend uh, with stuff that um, if people know... If people are close to me, they know what I'm talking about. But um, I don't know, WrestleMania Night 1, man, that's still the... Just the the thinking back to that and thinking back to Austin coming out and wrestling that match, Like I had so much pride as an Austin guy watching him. And it's kind of silly to say, right? Because, you know, it's not like it was Austin in 1997 or 1998. This is 2022. Yeah. This dude is in his 60s. And I'm just rooting for him. I'm, A, I'm rooting for him to 50s. 50s. He's not 60 yet? No, no, no. So I'm rooting for him to do well obviously he cuz he he does not want to embarrass himself but there's also a little bit of like fear for me because I don't want him to get hurt at the same time so I'm like super invested in how he does and you don't really get tied up in wrestling like that or at least I don't yeah. that much I- anymore where you care that much so yeah that 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 is probably the most memorable but yeah I'm sure Forbidden Door you know, just the uniqueness of that show was super memorable to me as well. And, you know, you, you already mentioned it, that Clash at the Castle. Gosh, how many WWE shows have we seen where the wrestling was that good on several of those matches? So that's a memorable one, too. And then you mentioned the, the Saudi show. Now, I think on on the the whole show of itself, you're like, eh, like, take it or leave it. But
1: logan paul and roman reigns holy let me tell you though i'll tell you why it was on at 12 in the afternoon (laughs) yeah no that's i think that's a positive and that's a positive that gave it a couple points for me uh i you know it it was a weird year for wrestling i I think the big story for wrestling this year will be the things that happened outside of the ring in every possible way for both companies the uh, and even Japan, right? All the all the stuff that happened outside of the ring with the with the clapping and the no cheering. And that was a big story. The lockdown was a big story. Vince McMahon leaving Cody leaving AEW uh, CM Punk leaving or, or or we don't know yet. Right. The CM Punk issue. Uh, there was a lot of what ifs and backstage stories. And also something that that we really are not putting in here is the Warner Media Discovery merger. That will play a huge part in the future of AEW and future pro wrestling going forward. So I don't know if the match, like as far as a pay-per-view goes, uh, you know, there were so many good ones. Uh, All the AEW ones were fantastic. They knock it out of the park every single time. I don't think I've ever watched an AEW pay-per-view and said, eh, it was meh. I've never felt that way. And I feel like that about WWE often, but yes, uh, I, I don't know which AEW I would say was the best one. Forbidden door was great. Revolution was great. Double or nothing. Uh, you know, full gear was really good too. Um, I, I, I can't, I don't know what's, I don't know what I would, I would pick.
0: <laughs> Somebody said, you're forgetting the, the mehness of uh, all out 2020. What what was the card on? That I don't one? I don't remember it either.
1: There was a there was a All couple pandemic time. AEW pay-per-views where I was What's like, a, eh.
0: yeah,
1: I mean, listen, you can't you you got to look at it for what it is, right? Yeah, the main event, yeah. the main event, I believe, what was the main event here was Jon Moxley MJF, right? That was the main event. Orange Cassidy defeated Chris Jericho. Oh, yeah, this this was not great. Was that the the Mimosa The the Mimosa Mayhem (laughs) match. You know what? Match of the year. Mimosa Mayhem match. Uh, FTR versus Kenny and Adam Page. You had that. I mean, yeah, this was not a great card. Okay, so
0: uh, somebody asked in the chat, uh, Austin and Jericho are not that many years apart in age, so why am I freaked out when I watch Austin? And well, it's because Austin had to retire from wrestling at, uh, it in, his his 20, yeah. In, yeah, in 2003 because of his neck being messed up. That is why. And also when, uh, he, he's tried to come back and, uh, he, you know, he hits Miz with a stunner and then he's just in so much pain from, you know, from, from doing the stunner that you, we just never thought he was coming back. So to actually see him come back and to be like, oh my gosh, I know he's been wanting to come back. I know that he's worried about being embarrassed and not being good. It stopped him. And then for him to do it and be really good and have such a great partner there in Kevin Owens, it was like the perfect scenario. All of my six years.
1: There's a six year age gap there. Right. Yes. And yes. and Jericho stayed active throughout yes. his entirety. Jericho's he's never not, really yeah, he's, had he's, a long. He's not never break. retired. He's yeah, he's he's
0: kind of been in and out, but he's he would always come back. So, yeah, totally. Uh, okay, so uh, last thing before we get out of here. Story of the year. And I think there are two big ones, and it's sort of depending on on how you see the year. The first one is absolutely uh, Vince McMahon, right? Vince McMahon being removed from power in WWE because of all the Wall Street Journal stuff that it, that it had come out. And then... It's Muffin Gate with, with CM Punk. Both of those, <laughs> yeah. both of those stories are giant. Uh, Vince McMahon one obviously got a little bit more publicity because it was a Wall Street Journal piece. But when it comes to the wrestling side of things, Muffin Gate may have actually impacted wrestling
1: more than even the Vince thing did. Yeah, I, I think I think Muffin Muffin Gate is hysterical. By the way, <laughs> uh, I, I I think Muffin Gate for the short term for sure. I think Cody leaving AEW for, is is more of a long-term story that kind of started this ball rolling. Uh but Vince leaving changes everything and and the impact on AEW that Vince Vince leaving. That was the beginning of the turn, right? Like that's when people, you know, the 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 honeymoon phase for AEW started falling apart this year which a lot of it had nothing to do with them but a lot of it did but vince leaving hunter coming in and and people saying like wow now we're going to get the wwe that we want uh kind of changed the perspective here the tide shifted a little bit in, in wwe side but i mean listen it's all about the long game you know you'll mm-hmm. you'll have stuff like this happen all the time it's about how you pivot and how how you how you shift and change your your, your plans to kind of adapt to this you know, we'll see, we're going to see what Tony does in 2023 because he has a big year ahead of him. This is a, you know, it's a contract year. You don't have your 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 big star in CM Punk, or maybe you will. I don't, you know, I, I, I you know, if we're going to do a prediction, uh, my bold prediction will be CM Punk shows up on AEW TV. Yes, that's my bold S- prediction. Not that wait. I know anything about it. Wait, okay, yeah. wait, wait. Say that again, so we can get
0: the proper clip, so that we can put it on YouTube. It, I want, I want you to it, say it in clear. Uh, the, this
1: is that this is your best take right here. Speak it into it. This is my best. You know, I would have said my take would have been CM Punk goes goes back to WWE. That would have been my big take. However, after a conversation I had last week, which you know, I had a I had a conversation mm-hmm. with somebody. I would say that is not going to happen uh, with CM Punk returning back to WWE. But, but. I am. I do think if there was a possibility for him to wrestle again, it would be for AEW this year. Interesting. Very. If I'm being unless I'm being totally caped by everybody uh, that I speak to at WWE, and they're they're like, <laughs> don't tell Zarian shit, and tell him you don't want him, and he's toxic, and every nobody wants him in this company. Uh, you can keep telling him that, but I, I Tony is a business guy he knows the importance of optics again with that word that's the Mm -hmm. word of the year guys ladies and gentlemen if there was one word that i overused on the show it's optics um but man think of that freaking business cm punk shows up and now you got a program with him and omega be great that'd be really great if you could listen if you can make it work you want to make it work and the injury, maybe, you know, CM Punk's injury, maybe kind of calm things down a little bit because you can't fire him if he's hurt or you don't want to fire him if he's hurt. He could come back and, you know, cooler heads prevail. It's wrestling. But at the end of the day, these are very rich people that are in the business of making money. And what a great story that would be for professional wrestling that CM, after all of this, he came by and they they were able to make business and make money and make it work you know people didn't think bret hart would return back to wwe and he did true bill goldberg he did hulk hogan he did ultimate warrior the list goes on to bruno the, uh, at the end of the day time heals all wounds especially if you tear your pack and that may be a blessing in disguise tricep was randy trice? did it but randy did so brian in the chat randy didn't right randy did in 2013, right, right, but right before he passed away, whatever that year was, maybe I'm wrong on the year, whatever that year was, he was in that WWE All Stars game and he made a video for it. Yes, you're that right. was the beginning of the bridge. And then if
0: he, when he passed away, uh, were, were were there any things in motion to get him into the Hall of Fame? I don't remember.
1: I don't remember. I don't. I don't. I really don't remember. But I, I, I do know that they wanted to do something with him. Yeah, he yeah. was. He didn't want to be on TV because he didn't like how he looked. That was right. a big. That was the big thing there, right? He did. He chose not to, but he did that commercial. It's a beginning. Yeah. Well, let's end it there. I like it. I like
0: ending with that. That's a. That's a great 2023 prediction. Somebody's going to use that for the Brian Alvarez prediction show uh, in, in in on on Wrestling Observer Live.
1: Bill Goldberg, Steve Austin, and WrestleMania. It's happening. That's it. <laughs> there you go. Aggregated again. There you go. A three-way. It's a three-way match. Bill Goldberg, uh, Steve Austin, and Brock Lesnar. Get it all done. Get those weddings oh. all out of the way.
0: Re- WrestleMania 20 reunion match from when Austin was the referee in that, in that, uh,
1: that terrible I was match. In that building. I was in that building, and I've never heard such hatred for two people <laughs> like I did that <laughs> night. All right.
0: Before Lance gets mad at us, we we will be out. We're going to get out of here. Uh, We'll be back next week. Uh, It's long. It's going to be a long day for for next Tuesday. But for Andrew, I'm Double G. We'll see you when we see you. Peace out.